I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. The KSL Greenhouse. Information and great talk about your home, garden, and your lawn. If you love perennials, can't get enough help on landscape design, or just want to keep your lawn and vegetable garden pest-free, grab a pen. It's the KSL Greenhouse on KSL News Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shaleos, Tan Bettis, Michael Karen with us this morning. We'll be taking your calls at 801-575-8255. Phone lines are open. You can also text us your questions at 57500. We want to start the show this hour and talk about things that you can grow inside your house. Uh, can't imagine why we would want to do that, Tan, just because we can't go outside and do anything right now other than shovel. Well, there's a mental health aspect no to doubt about it. growing things indoors. And, you know, even if it's just the house plants or you wanted to get a little light table and grow some herbs and a few things under it, just having the greenery there, having something to take care of and maintain is just, for a lot of people, relaxing and will help you wind down a little bit from the day and just get rid of that stress. And to me, it's hope for the future. You're growing these little new plants and it's just, hey, there's hope that spring will come. Yeah. And, you know, I even my growing area in my office, I went out a couple of weeks ago and I got the table ready and scraped down and vacuumed and washed and everything and already getting the seeds to plant. And so I've been doing a lot of things that way to get ready. But just even it gives you something to look forward to. And J.D. Gunnell, who's a frequent guest, readily admits that he grows things for his mental health. He's just just it's just, you know, one of those things where I can come in and de-stress, even if it's a stressful day. And I've got this. Plus, there's a lot of research out there showing that when you are exposed to indoor plants, that psychologically it just reduces stress in general. And so there's a lot of research out showing that. So there's just a lot of reasons to do it. Okay. It's only going to reduce my stress if things aren't dying, though. So yes. what are the things that we can do indoors, and how do we how do, we do that? Well, houseplants are going to be the easiest just because the ones – the houseplants that we grow that you'll find at box stores and local garden centers, most of them are adapted to low light levels that we have in the winters. And so – Things like the uh, Hartley philodendron, the pothos, mother-in-law's tongue. Um, there's several of them that will tolerate low light. They're going to be the easiest. If you're wanting to grow other things, you know, let's say, you know, I'm going to be starting tomatoes pretty soon, my dwarf tomatoes. Those just require more sunlight. And so if you're starting 
flowers, you know, and vegetables, those are going to require more light than what you can get even some from, say, a south or a west window in your home. So you have been talking about doing these little micro tomatoes. Yes. So there are a number of varieties, park seed, seltzer for varieties. I think Johnny's doesn't have any, but totally tomatoes has one or two. And they're little tomato plants that get a foot to 18 inches tall. And so you can get an eight inch pot, eight inches wide, eight inches deep and plant them in there. And 60 to 80 days after you have planted them, they will start to produce little grape tomatoes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if why I'm doing them in January is that I'll put supplemental lighting over them and a heat map, but by mid-February, our day lengths will start to increase. And through February and March, there's enough daylight there. It's still cold, but I'm growing these indoors. And so I'll, I'll have grow lights on them, plus they'll be next to a window, that by February, late February, March, I should start getting tomatoes. So that's why I am starting them in January, so I can time their production so that there's sufficient sunlight to do it. So, Mike, are you growing anything indoors? Just a few house plants. Just That's all I have right now. All I, right. I'll start seeds. But you guys have April. the benefit of going out to greenhouses and actually spending time in greenhouses. Uh, not, not so much. I have a little, like a little greenhouse at my house, but it's not heated. I don't. I it's off the grid. I don't have any power in it at all, and um, I don't really do much. Greenhouses are the kind of thing where it, it's a daycare. So. Like I, I've worked at commercial greenhouses, uh, I've I've run greenhouses for 15 years, and it's a babysitting job. You basically are there every day, watering, uh, opening the vents, you know, various things depending on what level of automation you have, and so, and they're, they they can be expensive structures to to heat and and all of those things. So. I don't I don't have any of those. I, it's just a cost that I'm not that I don't want to bear right now with that. So I have a little greenhouse. Yeah. That that's actually a university greenhouse that, that we're using. We're, we're doing some research and we'll do some trialing in, but uh, we just want it to be off the grid and, and it's a season extender for the most part. So when I visit greenhouses for my job, and I wish I had time to do it a lot more. A lot of times I just need to take an hour, go get some sunlight. And because the greenhouses are warm, I'll just go take a look around and see what's new. And so it's not as often as I would like, but, you know, we talk about this mental health thing that a lot of times at commercial greenhouses, I'll just slip over on a lunch and wander around for a while because you've got warm air, the humidity is nice, and then you have the sunlight coming through. And so I will do that occasionally, but it's not as often as I wish I could. Mm -hmm. If we have time later in the hour, I want to talk about greenhouses. When it's really worth it for you to actually have a greenhouse. I don't want to be a daycare. I don't, you know, that to me is not fulfilling. So we're going to talk more about that. Uh, we're going to take a break. Carolyn, you're up next when we come back. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us 57500. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. 
But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Tan and Michael Karen with us this morning, taking your calls at 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Carolyn is on the line in Tula. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. Last summer, or last spring, I planted two different types of squashes, a Hubbard, which did not uh, do anything, and two banana squash seeds. The banana squash, I trained all of the tendrils to grow uh, towards an area that I had uh, a tarp down for weed uh, prevention. I grew two 36-inch banana squashes off the plant, but there were several smaller squashes that looked to be developing but were not allowed to root into the soil because of the tarp. Do the banana squashes need to root along the... um, the vine to produce more than one squash. No, they don't. They squash traditionally don't root along the ground as the vines grow out. They can, and it's not harmful or particularly helpful. It just is, I guess. Yeah, it just is. All right. Thank you. All right. Carolyn, thanks so much for your call. Uh, next listener says, Tom, they heard you talking about houseplants. Uh, this, she says her grandmother, or he says her, their grandmother had a fern near the east window. And they're wondering what kind of a fern would do well here. Boston fern, if it's inside, is going to be among the easiest to grow. They like that morning light. Uh, the one thing with Boston fern and other ferns, they require some humidity. And so if it's sitting on a table, I would consider putting a pebble tray underneath it so that you don't want the the actual houseplant pot sitting in standing water. But what you would do is get a tray and fill it with gravel and fill that gravel up with water, but it's not going into the pot. And that will help humidify the air immediately around the fern or put that fern into a bathroom. Yeah, rabbit's foot fern and... Uh... Oh, what's the other one I was just thinking of? There are a few other ferns that typically do Staghorn, well pretty in, that? indoors. That one's so Outdoor, big and heavy. Yeah. Uh, that one's not a good one. Um, maidenhair fern is another one that, that does good indoors. But they they all tend to suffer. Even Boston fern tends to suffer, which is probably the best adapted, tends to suffer from dry the dry air that we have, particularly 
particularly in the winter with our heaters running and drying our air out indoors. Yeah. Adrian in St. George would like you to talk about the sweet sapphire grapes. So this is a commercial variety that's available in, I think, places like Sam's Club and Costco and Walmart. That's probably a California variety and under patent. So I doubt that we'll be able to get access to it for 10 or 15 years. I don't know. Do you know much more about it? I don't, but I do get questions about various grapes that are that are available at the supermarkets. Cotton candy is Cotton candy is probably the one I get the most about. Yeah, because they're delicious. They're good. <laughs> um, but those are grapes that are that are bred. Uh, so they're they're complicated hybrids and Usually, the only people that are allowed to grow them are those that contributed to the to putting money into the breeding program. Mm. So, kind of like how a lot a lot of it happens with apples. So, if you're not in the club or you're not part of that program, then you you won't get those grapes to to be able to grow. And and these are these are not hardy grapes to northern Utah. In in St. George area, certainly there's there's there they'll probably do much better. Uh, but oftentimes in in southern Utah, we we end up having conditions being too too extreme on the heat and dry side, and that can be really rough on them as well. So that's why supermarket grapes typically don't do well here, is because they are warm season grapes. They they're not able to handle the cold weather that we typically well, and get. And if you look at the growing region on a lot of these green regions, is places like Aust- northern Australia and northern New Zealand and parts of Chile and southern California. And so that tells you that probably not northern Utah. Right. Exactly. So it's just again trying to pick the right plant for the space that you have. Uh, a lot of times is the most sustainable approach. Our next listener says they have a large vineyard in Riverton. They need a recommendation for a cover crop to grow in between the rows. They say that they tried mustard seed last year and it was a failure. So that's complicated. That is really complicated. And a lot of what determines the success of those inter-row plantings depends on whether or not they're irrigated. And uh, a lot of times, if they're not irrigated at least periodically, you're you're not going to have very good luck with um, anything establishing in the row. So I I know that um, there's a, a grower in Hilldale, um, uh, uh, Shane Took at Water Canyon Vineyards, who uh, actually has uh, clover that is grown between his rows, and it does pretty well there. Um, but he he does have periodic irrigation that does um, get those. And they also tend to get more summer rain than we do. So a lot of it depends on if you can irrigate or not. But there, there are there are options available. Uh, sometimes even look, just looking for good seed uh, mixes. Uh, and what I would would recommend is get a blend of fifteen or more different species of plants to put in these kinds of mixes, so that the the, the ones that'll thrive in those conditions tend to dominate. So the fruit growers, depending on again on the irrigation. If they can get some water into the row middles, they're usually using some red fescue, maybe some ryegrasses, hard fescue, and it really depends. Like I know a grower up in Logan that is using crested wheatgrass, a fairway crested wheatgrass mixed with hard fescue because even though it goes a little dormant, when he's picking in this, or in working the grapes, spring and fall, it will green up. Right. So it and just mustards really aren't necessarily a great choice. Mustards are a cool season crop. Uh, they're cool season plants. So when we get into the heat of summer, especially without substantial irrigation, they're, they're just going to fade right out. 
Okay, next listener says they're looking at getting pink resilient grapes to grow in the Fruit Heights area. What are your thoughts about variety? Pink, like not a, not, pink not a pink. Okay, so if it's not a, that's not the name of the cultivar. No. So there, there are, um, yeah, some good like uh, pink grapes. Uh, Canada's is a good one. Vanessa is another good one. Swenson Red. Um, there's yeah, there's a few out there that I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, it depends on if they want them for fresh eating or or for juice, but uh, those, those are three good ones right there. Okay. Vanessa is probably one of the best table pink table grapes um, out there. That's that's hardy. I'm wondering if Autocorrect got us because I've seen I think Burpees or Gurney sells a pink Reliance grape, and I have Reliance grapes and they're fine. They're super hardy. Right. Shouldn't have any problems getting them established. It's just that the grapes are a little smaller. Right. And that and that is the case. And a lot of times people get a little hung up on when they grow grapes in their own yard, they want they're they're comparing the size of the grapes that they're getting to the size of the supermarket grapes. Don't do that. Unless you're willing to do the same kinds of practices that they're doing to get those large grapes, which is uh, usually they're cluster thinning, cluster pruning to get the re- fruit load down so the f- remaining grapes get bigger. And they're also, in, in most cases, also spraying a plant hormone on the grapes to get that size to be artificially enlarged. What I find with those grapes compared to the homegrown, even when they're in season, they just don't taste as yeah. good as what you're growing in your backyard. The flavor, when you can let them hang on until the flavor gets really what what you want uh they're the store-bought grapes i i don't eat store-bought grapes my my family buys them my wife buys them and i'm like i, I, I won't eat them That's I, why I, I don't eat store-bought tomatoes yeah. either okay yeah. uh we need to take a break number to call with your questions 801-575-8255 you can text us at 57500 this is a big day for byu fans the new mexico bowl is today ksl special extended pregame coverage begins at noon it's sponsored by andy's neighborhood market in kearns a gun in the face then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up they pointed their guns at me and this is the point where i thought i'm gonna die today started two years of horror for an american in venezuela they said you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. 